You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to the Riverwise Podcast. And today we're talking about something that's been on the hearts and minds of Michiganders really since last year, redistricting. Redistricting is a topic that's been going on and about and how things happen and how things change. Even when you talk to older Detroiters, especially, they remember when, man, I remember when it was three Congress people in Detroit. What's happened? Well, every 10 years, along with census counts, uh, people come together in the state and this even impacts the federal government and it decides what are the district maps? District maps are very important because the district maps decide representation. Representation can decide funding and also just how much attention is paid to the people that live in a certain place. So here we have special guests that are friends and colleagues and people that know one of the people with Riverwise family definitely and going to be more on the podcast. Megan, how you feeling today? I'm doing great. How you doing, Craig? Good, good. And you are the quarterback now. We hand it off to you. Dang, bumbles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here today. There's two um, dope women uh, with me sitting to my left. First, we have Mary, C- Mary Lee Seacrest. Um, she used to work with the Michigan House Dems Caucus and now works for a national progressive political org. Um, she's also just a Detroiter, so she's here um, speaking up about what it means to be a Detroiter, too, in this process. And um, we've got Isra Duras. It's okay. Isra Duraisa. Duraisa. And I even asked. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. okay. Happens all the time. Don't she couldn't me. remember my name, and I see her all the time. <laughs> I did. Actually, the, out. the more I love you, the less I know your name. Actually. So. That's endearing. Isra <laughs> uh, is from Flint, but she's currently um, based out of Southwest Detroit. She's an organizer who is currently the democracy coordinator at Michigan Voices, a dope organization here. Um, in the state of Michigan that works um, primarily on voter rights, election protection, and they've done a ton of work around the redistricting process over the last um, year. So, yeah, I think today we really just wanted to have um, a conversation because I know a lot of people hear about redistricting and have absolutely no clue what that means or why it's important to them or what, you know, um, so... Yeah, hmm. that's what we're doing today. All right. Yeah, a little bit of education. For sure. Excited. Cool. Well, thank you guys for being here. Yeah. Um, so I think I would just start easy. Uh, what is redistricting? That's a great question. That's a great question. So um, I can take that for right now. Um, redistricting is a process that happens every 10 years. And so I think a lot of times we assume everybody knows these things. And so it's important to emphasize that it is not something that happens when a major election occurs or when the president when the president gets elected. This is something that happens every 10 years and it's tied to the census data as well. So there is a census going on. And then after that, the redistricting process occurs. Michigan Um, similar to states all over the country that have a redistricting process. Every state in the United States has a process. It differs a little bit how they run it, um, depending on which state you're talking about. But 
Nonetheless, they have a process. And in the past, before this uh, this most recent uh, redistricting process, it used to happen behind closed doors. So the majority party would get together behind closed doors, no input from the voters, no input from the population in the state, and they'd get to draw the lines. Now, you might maybe put one and one together and realize that for their best interest, they, there might be a bias on how they draw these maps um, and these districts. And so if folks Google any, just put gerrymandering in, in Google and you will see how some of these um, districts were drawn in a very arbitrary way because, again, there was a bias in mind. And so it helped these these politicians and it helped folks that were in power. In power. The cool thing that happened, and I think everybody in Michigan should should be really proud of this, is in 2018, um, a lot of activists got together and were able to um, promote something called Proposition 2. And that proposition was basically what impacted how we run redistricting now in the state of Michigan. And so I think that's also really important to know. This is the first time ever. Um, we are, I believe, one of nine states in the country that have a independent redistricting process process. And what that means is that regular folks could apply to be a part of this commission. They're not politicians. They're regular people. Could be good or bad that they're just your average person just because of the knowledge that sometimes you'd need in order to draw a map. But in my opinion, obviously, it's way better that they're just your average person. And so I think there was 9,000 applications that were sent out for people to be a part of this Michigan Independent Redistricting Commission. And we landed on 13 people, four of which are Democrats, four Republicans, and five independents. And that is who makes up our now new process of the Michigan Independent Redistricting Commission uh, acronym M-I-C-R-C. Google it again also if you'd like to know more information. But yeah, I'm really, really proud to talk more about this um, and, and and get in the nitty gritty of how average people made a difference in Michigan. Cool. So I even, let's like take a step back to the, mm -hmm. why, what is a district? Why does it even matter? When, when we're saying we're redistricting, well, what was the district in the first place? Where does this come from? Like, uh, like, yeah, what what makes up a district and why is that? Why is it important for me to know mm -hmm. what that even means or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there so there's uh, three levels of districts, right? So one is congressional districts. So those are the federal um, Congress people that most of us are kind of familiar with. Um, and then at the state level, we have our state Senate and our state um, House of Representatives. So we are, you know, this commission drew districts for all three of those levels of seats, mm -hmm. um, and they represent all of us um, in their respective governments. So at the federal level, obviously, we're represented by two senators who represent the entire state. But then your congressperson is really there to represent your community specifically in the in D.C. Um, so they're advocates for their communities in um, our federal government and really uh, working, hopefully, to, to fight for the people they represent back at home. And that's the same case um, with our state legislature um, and both chambers in Michigan. So our state senators, smaller body, and our state house is 110 folks. That's what I'm most familiar with. Um, and they represent their communities in Lansing, where you know laws that really impact our daily lives are made. So it is really important that the folks who represent us in Lansing and in D.C. Uh, are really tuned into their community, really understand the needs of their constituents, and are really fighting for uh, their constituents at those respective levels. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. 
Um, so one of the terms that I heard a bunch being like thrown around as we were going through um, this last, the process that you're talking about, this mm -hmm. brand new process, mm -hmm. um, was this uh, term communities of interest. Mm -hmm. Why... Why does it matter that we understand what that means? And what does it mean to have a community of interest? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's kind of subjective and kind of not. I actually jotted down what the, you know, the commission uh, has for the definition of a COI. And that is that it's, for example, it's populations of people that share cultural, historical, economic interests. And this matters. For example, we, as we were prepping for this podcast, we mentioned Detroit. And Detroit is a very unique and amazing and, you know, has so much history. Um, and therefore, communities of interest were even more essential for a city like Detroit because that's what gets to capture why it's important that a district gets drawn a certain way so mm -hmm. that it preserves that uh, commonality and does not tear communities apart. Um, um, so then essentially a districting process mm -hmm. that accounts for communities of interest mm -hmm. could also have some wacky looking districts, potentially? Pot potentially. Not as wacky Not as, as they've as been wacky. before, okay. but, but potentially. Yeah, and I don't think that's, I think gerrymandering as a term has this kind of nefarious connotation mm -hmm. where if a, if a district kind of looks odd or, you know, it was drawn um in a very specific way that doesn't make kind of shape sense. You know, it's not totally mm -hmm. just squares, right? Um, that can have a nefarious connotation. And a lot of times, you know, when the legislature was in charge of the process, um, the party in charge of it would draw these districts to kind of keep the people within that party together mm -hmm. and maintain uh, control. And mm -hmm. so when we're talking about doing it in terms of communities of interest, mm -hmm. um, you know, that does hopefully lift some of that mm -hmm. nefarious connotation away a little bit. Um, and really working to make sure that the people who are in a district have something in common with each other, mm -hmm. not just geography. And Michigan's such a diverse state, right? So if you just slice it up into even squares, mm -hmm. you're going to be drawn potentially in a district. I mean, I live in Detroit on the border of, you know, suburbs, right? Mm -hmm. And so my interests and some of the interests of people who live physically close to me mm -hmm. might not be the same. So mm -hmm. if you just chop it up um, without any kind of... Um, strategic plan for mm -hmm. why people are represented by the same, you know, representatives, mm -hmm. um, then that can backfire as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, gerrymandering and, and all of that does have that negative connotation, mm -hmm. but it is important to be thoughtful about um, the way we're drawing these districts. Mm -hmm. That actually also reminds me of what... The, the Constitution has several different criterias, but communities of interest was just one of them in order for the commissioners to kind of fairly and equitably draw these maps. But I think this one is the most important in the sense that it is where the community's voice was heard. It's where they felt like they could come, they could make public comment, and it could make a difference. And you know, I want to plug Michigan Voices real quick, just as an organization that is based on, imp like, empowering and uplifting the voices of those that are historically marginalized, historically not heard. Um, that is your BIPOC community, your black, indigenous, people of color. Um, for example, I'm Arab American. Uh, we're not counted in the census. So we're not even we're not even uh, 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 on the map. And so we have to advocate even louder because there's this compounding effect of not even being recognized on the census, which helps lead how they draw the maps because they use that data. Um, 
And so I, I really want to uplift that, and I want to uplift community organizations that made public comment. What is public comment? At every hearing, they allowed for people to come either virtually, uh, call in, or come physically to advocate for their community. Um, and like Mary Lee was saying, it's not just about sharing geography. It's about saying, you know what, I am Arab American and I reside in Dearborn, but also Dearborn Heights has certain areas um, of it that have my community's interest um, in mind. And and, and that's going to, and I want a representative that's thinking about these nuances, not just assuming that we all do X, Y, Z. And and even particularly, I actually want to comment on Flint. So coming from Flint Township, the congressional seat was was about to be broken up into a way that, that did not reflect our communities. It used to have major cities around it, Bay City and Saginaw in particular. Those were going to be excluded. And so people came in came in heavy and made public comment and like confronted the commission and said, hey, listen, this is not okay. This is not what we want our communities to look like. And they... They actually listened like that. They listened. And in real time, they made changes to the maps. And that was that was it was it was beautiful to see. That's history in the making. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So um, I think one of the other big questions people have on their mind is not only these the idea of communities of interest. And one of the things because I hear a lot of people being confused about this. Mm Um, are, are state dollars or federal dollars or any, is any of that tied to what happens with your district? Like how it gets drawn or how it, you know, is it like how many people are in it? Like I, I'm trying to, I, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if people are getting confused with the census itself and the redistricting process, mm-hmm. but I, so I don't know if you guys have any insight on redistricting and whether or not it affects Mm -hmm. funding or like how things might get channeled to your community. Mm -hmm. I can talk about, so I used to live in Connecticut, which is a very democratic state. So um, partisanship wasn't maybe the biggest divide within the state. There was a lot of divide, um, particularly in terms of urban areas versus um, or rural areas and suburban areas, right? And so it was really important, and I think this applies to Detroit, but I'm kind of removing that. Um, so, you know, when you have your representative going to your capital, they're going to be fighting for your district, and a lot of that has to do with the dollars that mm-hmm. are going to be coming into it, right? So you do want to make sure that if you are representing an urban district that traditionally has underfunded schools, underfunded services, that um, all those state dollars that are being allocated across the state, enough of them are coming to your district um, to serve the people you represent. So if you cut up those urban, you know, centers in a way where their representatives um, have a diluted voice, um, then you, you know, that that resource allocation isn't there's no one advocating for mm-hmm. it to the to the extent it needs to to happen. So that's particularly important in Detroit um, for, you know, obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't say it better. They are tied together, which is another thing that I think, you know. When I was thinking about this podcast again, you know, I I was thinking, how would I explain this to my mom? And I think that a lot of people, for very valid reasons, do not have faith in government, do not have faith in the processes. And 
But at the same time, they're all important. They all affect each other. And so if you don't count yourself in the census, then you get undercounted, which means we as a state receive less money, which means when the commission is creating these district maps, your representatives have less money to like work with whatever it is that we need to to uplift for that community. And so... I just think people need to understand that. And and in particular in Detroit, again, prim- primarily and predominantly 80% black city gets underfunded, gets undercounted. Um, and even in this last 2020 census, and again, it's not the fault of, you know, regular folks. This is not a, a blame game, but this is just the reality of what happens. And so Detroit was actually undercounted in this past um, and in this past census. And, and we did as a state lose a congressional seat. And so all these things impact each other. And, and we we have to just continue to to educate and and come out and advocate and use our voices. Yeah, that's I keep hearing people saying we lost a congressional seat. What does that What does that mean? What does it mean that we've lost a congressional seat? Where do we lose it, and what does it mean? It means we have fewer representatives in D.C. representing Michigan and fighting mm-hmm. for those dollars and, and policies that will help the state. And so with any kind of legislative body, the number of um, representatives within it is finite. That doesn't change with this redistricting. So um, they need to keep, what, 435? 435 mm-hmm. in, um, in our U.S. Congress, right? And so as populations change, they need to kind of reconfigure how they're going to um, how many representatives are going to um, represent each state because that the overall number can't change. So places where they counted more population and the populations you know grew, um, those states might get a, you know pick up a congressional district and that has to come from somewhere and that will come from a state where um, there was a population loss. Mm-hmm. So. It's mm. not ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we're tied into some pretty wonky numbers, huh? Yeah. So wonky, I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been doing this forever. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so um, I guess thinking about like all, like, so now we've gone through this process. Um, there's new maps out, correct? Yes. Okay, so there's new maps out now. What should people even like? What should people be like looking for as they're looking at these new maps? What should they be think? What questions should be they? You know, or you know, what does it mean that they have new maps? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> still wrapping my mind around the new maps. <laughs> Are we still in the digestion phase of, of this? Uh-huh. Yes, yes. I I can do. do one aspect of it. So from a community organization standpoint, I think this is a call to action to those community organizations that work in community, that are a trusted voice, um, that people can go to to ask questions, but they maybe don't have the the answers, like you said, and they want to know, what does this even mean? What is a new map? I didn't even know what my old map looked Mm -hmm. like. Um, And that is, again, to plug Michigan Voices, one of our roles is to create education curriculum to help disseminate that information in a digestible way, whether that's going to happen or not is a whole nother story because it is a lot. It's a lot of information. It's a lot to digest. Um, But one of our goals is to train the trainer, 
if you may, mm-hmm. and explain this to these community organizations so that they can then, when they're doing uh, get out the vote mm-hmm. events, when they're phone banking, to talk to them about whatever issue advocacy or anything, mm-hmm. or just to check in on them because it's COVID. Mm-hmm. They can talk to them about this process and, and let them know that districts have changed. You may be electing someone different that you're not familiar with. You you know uh, giving and again we are a nonpartisan organization, mm-hmm. so we do this in, in that capacity. But education, education, education is going to be key. And so um, if people go to the Michigan uh, Gov website, they may be able to see those new maps if they put in, you know, Michigan Independent Redistricting Commission. But it could be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I think that like looking to your your organizations that are around nearby, for example, um, and I and I feel bad even naming an org because other orgs will get mad you didn't name them. But (laughs) one of the ones that pops to my mind is, is Detroit Change Initiative, for example, or Our Own Wall Street. A lot of these organizations are in the loop. They understand to an extent what is going on. And it is better for them to communicate that to their neighborhoods, to their communities versus a a national organization, which sometimes they swoop in out of nowhere during major elections and try to educate our communities. And so for me, that is my biggest ask is is for people to educate themselves, find those resources based on um, the knowledge that they have at their at their hand and, and Cool. And we'll make sure um, to link mm-hmm. some of these places if, you know, when you leave here, if you're like, oh, this would be a really great resource. Yeah. Like, we'll make sure, because I'll tell you um, with For Future Michigan, too, the work that Michigan Voices has been doing is awesome. And, you know, and our team did a lot to, like, help um, educate the community as well. But a lot of the stuff that we were, like, relying on, too, was coming from Michigan Voices. Mm-hmm. So I know you guys put a lot of work um into doing that kind of stuff so we'll definitely make sure to uplift that and then um i guess for anybody out there too if you have some really great community Mm -hmm. resources you can also um let us know at riverwise detroit and we'll make sure to link that too for people that's awesome yeah and i think you know from an electoral standpoint um it is always important really to understand your full ballot and who Mm -hmm. the folks who are running are and particularly, so in Michigan, actually, so at that state level, we have pretty short term limits. So your state senators can only be in there for two terms of four years, and your state representatives can be in there for three terms of two years. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty short amount of time that you're going to be represented by the same person. In Congress, we don't have those. At the U.S. Congress, we don't have those kind of limits. So you might be very familiar with your United States Congress person, have a relationship, or just trust that they are fighting for your district. Um, But with these new districts, it might not be the person you're used to, right? So it's really important to educate yourself on the ballot. Um, If there's going to be a primary in your district, really look at those those candidates and and understand, you know, that um, with new districts, they might not be the neighbor they were. I live for my current state representative a couple streets down. And she's not going to be on my ballot <laughs> this November. So I have to learn about a whole new set of people that are going to be representing me. And my district is a little bit interesting, too. So, um, you know, as I think about, um, you know, all my different communities of interests, um, you know, I'm a Detroiter, but there's parts of Detroit now or parts of the district now that are outside of Detroit. Mm-hmm. I identify as lots of different things. So really learning, you know, what... Um, what these candidates represent um, and what's important to me and really studying the ballot, I think that's just going to be be key. 
um, in this situation, mm-hmm. but all mm-hmm. the time, right? And I think um, this underscores the importance, and I hope, you know, that was when I say the people who are representing you in D.C. and mm-hmm. in Lansing, they do a lot to advocate for your community or not. So mm-hmm. it is really important that we pay attention to those folks and um, look a little further down the ballot because those statewide folks, uh, they do a lot of important work. The governor does a lot of important work. The president does a lot of important work. But these day-to-day issues are really um, kind of in the purview of your legislature mm-hmm. and of your Congress. So you really want to be uh, sure that you know who you're electing and and not kind of tuning out after that top of the ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I'm glad you brought that up, um, because I think a lot of people these days are starting to interact more with how important their local mm-hmm. um, elections are and their, their local representatives and even some of these seats that nobody ever really thought of, you know, like, but who's talking about the prosecutor and who's talking about, right. you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. have like tuned out of like these little roles that you just don't know and you check a box. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's one of the um, one of the questions I have is, so we said these maps are drawn every 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we're not going to really get into it today mm-hmm. Um because there are some lawsuits going on about these maps. Um, but for whatever for whatever's going on, they're drawn. Mm-hmm. And there's 10 more years until they're drawn again. Mm-hmm. So connecting that 10 years to being knowing who's on your ballot, what are the kind of things, you know, okay, I can't, well, we can't submit any more information, right, about our communities of interest. We can't do any of that anymore. Those are closed mm-hmm. on the commission site, right? Mm-hmm. So... What's, like, is it then now, so we're in this 10 years, we've got our people who are going to be there for six years or um, eight years or whatever, like, how do we then advocate, I guess, best for ourselves with those people? How do I, you know, having worked with a number of these people throughout your career, um, it's just, you know, it can be intimidating to, so how do we... Get rid of that. How do we interact with the the people who now are going to be our representatives? I think it's it's really important just to it's you educate yourself on the ballot and then it doesn't stop there, right? So you have to connect to lots of organizations and if there's something that's really important to you, uh, connect with an organization that that's advocating for mm-hmm. for those issues because. Mm-hmm. Um, they are there to to represent you as an individual, and then when you have a collective voice with other mm-hmm. folks, you can really um, kind of um, you know show them that their constituents really care about an issue and that they need that fought mm-hmm. for in Lansing or in D.C. Um, so staying kind of on them, they are there, and mm-hmm. we talk about money so much, but at the end of the day. Um, you know, those folks aren't going to return to their office if they're not mm-hmm. advocating for the community unless the community is tuned out. So we got to stay on them. We got to stay educated. We got to stay tuned into the issues. And it can be tricky. And on that note of money, you know, I've, I worked in the the House caucus, right? And we spent a lot of money on kind of purple districts um, to, to, you know, influence that those races. And those races are often outside of, of really democratic strongholds, mm-hmm. right? So then in Detroit, not a lot of money is being spent on these races because mm-hmm. the, the, 
powers that be know that a Democrat will mm-hmm. be elected. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it, the education doesn't just come to you the way it does when there's a lot of money mm-hmm. being spent on the race. You have to actually mm-hmm. seek it out. Um, so, you know, a lot of the work that you're doing, you know, to, well, both of you are doing to educate folks and, you know, connect them to resources, mm-hmm. you know, lean into that, take advantage of that, because it can be really hard to navigate all that on your own. And especially when there's not billions of dollars being, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of spent on these races because there's no partisan interest at play that we're fighting for. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. they're just, you don't see as much um, mm-hmm. coverage of who is running. And um, it can be a relief when you turn on your TV, but <laughs> but that might mean you might not know who, who represents you as mm-hmm. well as someone who's in these bigger dollar districts does. So really important to, to connect with the folks who are doing this work and, and seek out the folks that are fighting for you. Mm-hmm. I would also add, like, Full transparency, I'm an immigrant. I came here when I was nine. This process, just everything is very complicated and it's it's complex. And I think most people, even some people that work for government, don't fully understand how every aspect operates. And so I think for anyone that's listening that feels even overwhelmed by this podcast and what we've shared, just... It could be as easy as volunteering, volunteering for an organization, but finding a a community organization home or a political home is going to be essential to like have find your people. But, you know, if you may. And so that'll help you kind of get over that little bit of anxiety or overwhelm, overwhelmed feeling of where do I even start? How do I even get to know these people? And I think um, social media honestly has made some of these po- politicians a little bit more reachable too. You get to see mm-hmm. what they're thinking. They tweet everything. Um, yeah. They're on Facebook mm-hmm. and they're really not the big, for most of them are not the big bad wolf. Um, and, and you can and you can even ask them questions on social media, comment on their posts. They like to brag about things they've passed. Like if you don't like it, comment. If you like it, comment as well. Um, I think that just de-stigmatizing the fact that they're they're not there are public servants. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need to let's let's take back our power mm-hmm. and actually communicate with them. And I think another thing to, to comment on this process is there were a lot of people that weren't happy with the with the redistricting commission. And I think that if there was one group that was just so elated or happy with it, then I would be questioning its fairness. Mm-hmm. So I think with a lot of people kind of being a little frustrated with how things went is a good sign to f- that we're on the road to fairness. Mm-hmm. It was not a perfect process. Mm-hmm. And I've watched a few of those those hearings and those meetings and they are a little grueling and there are things that you know didn't didn't go the way that they should have went but what was amazing about it is that it was transparent that we got to see every meeting that we mm-hmm. got to see those boring things that they mm-hmm. had to go through in order to to map and to decide and and, and we got kind of got to hear their thought process and in real time call them out if they're being you know uh, too narrow or, or not thinking about communities of interest or historically ignored communities and so mm-hmm. I just can't reiterate enough of like just take that baby step to to find an organization or something to lean into. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I think this has been a really amazing rundown of, you know, an introduction even to what this is, why it's important. My big hot takes, find a political home, know who's on your ballot, and then go get in their DMs. Sums <laughs> <laughs> it up. Okay. All right. So is there anything that you guys are like, oh, I just, I have to get this out. People need to know this. 
putting us on the spot. Oh, <laughs> There's so much I could say. Like, how long do you have? I'll tweet it to you later. <laughs> the well, next I'll, podcast. We'll give everybody your social media. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's a reason I don't run for office. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I am so appreciative for both of you for coming here. This kind of stuff is super important. Um, I, yeah, I can't thank you enough for helping educate us today on redistricting. Actually, one last thing. Oh yeah, those Go pending for it. those pending lawsuits. People might think, you know what, I'm going to wait it out till the you know till we hear what happens. No, just start from now. Educate, 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 and learn about the current maps yeah. and how they they're drawn because you don't know what's going to happen. And there was a decision that was made yesterday on one of those lawsuits. So, okay. um, don't stall and don't yeah. don't wait. Okay, yeah. so you heard it from Isra. <laughs> Don't wait. Get political today. (laughs) The things that are affecting us today, right now, whether or not these maps, like, there's still... And also, there's still just representatives even not based on this map that you could talk to Mm -hmm. today. So, um, yeah. And like I said, we will make sure um, to provide links to resources for people. Um, And if you guys think of anything, we can definitely... um, get people hooked up with those Mm -hmm. as well. Thank you so much, Megan. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. Of Mm -hmm. course. Anytime.